We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. We are currently in the midst of an eight-week series through the book of Philippians, and today we are on week four. And to recap briefly what we have been going through, I'm going to start off with week one, where Aidan set the scene for us from Acts 16 and explained to us how the church in Philippi was birthed. Then in week two, Steve taught us that what we are living for is more important than what we are living through that if Jesus lived and died for us, then we can live for him. And last week, Griffin showed us that God gives us a call, and this call is to live lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But God also gives us a way to outwork this call through modeling the humility of Jesus and through approaching life with an attitude of grace and peace rather than grumbling. This week, I'll be continuing where Griffin left off in Philippians 2, verses 19 to 30. To be honest, I feel like pretty much everything I wanted to share this morning has already come through. The prophetic word that, or prophetic song that Rachel sang about us being an army together fighting for one another. The prophetic song that Debs asked us to sing over each other as we joined together and stood and surrounded each person. All of these are beautiful demonstration of what it looks like to live in community with one another. So I could go home right now, but I do feel there are more things that God wants to massage into us, that he has revealed his heart for this morning, but now it's up for us to take it in and actually apply it into our lives. So in 2013, Cigna Health Insurance, some of you may have Cigna Health Insurance, they did a survey about loneliness in the United States and its effects. They surveyed about 20,000 adults from the ages of 18 and above. And their results were concerning. They found that nearly half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone or left out. One in four Americans rarely or never feel as though there are people who really understand them. Two in five Americans sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful and that they are isolated from others. One in five people report that they rarely or never feel close to people or feel like there are, that there are people that they can talk to, so they don't have people they can talk to. And only around half of Americans, 53%, have meaningful in-person social interactions such as having an extended conversation with a friend or spending quality time with family on a daily basis. Generation Z, which is generation from the ages of 18 to 22, was found to be the loneliest generation and claims to be in worse health than older generations. Scary stuff, isn't it? And a somewhat morbid, somber note in which to start a preach. But what was interesting to me is that this study actually found that social media increased loneliness. Isn't it ironic that in this day and age, we have more ways than ever to communicate with one another, yet we are lonelier than ever before? How do we address this? How do we shine light on loneliness and bring people out of the darkness that it brings? Let's see what God says about loneliness and his heart for the way in which people should dwell together. 
Colossians 2 verse 2 from the Passion Translation says this, I am contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery, Christ. I love that. The comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. Have you ever looked at a piece of fabric that has been woven? It's very difficult to to identify where one strand starts and another strand ends. Each piece is interwoven with the other piece. And when you pull one out, it causes damage. You can't take one out without affecting the other pieces or other threads around it. This is the picture of the kind of connections that God wants us to have in our lives. Firstly, with him, but also with one another. Because we are connected to each other in this way, through these connections, we can experience the fullness of Christ. And at Anthem Church, that is what we desire. All of Jesus for everyone, not just a select few. Today's passage in Philippians highlights the types of relationships that we need to be part of in order to have this knitting and woven together. As we read the passage, which will be on the screen behind me, I encourage you to focus on the words that I have put in bold and underlined. I did that. It's not the way it was in the Bible. When you see a word like this, I want you to ask yourself this question. Can that word be used to describe the type of relationship that I have with someone at Anthem? Now, you may be here, and Anthem may not be your local church, and you may be visiting from Restoration or elsewhere. I encourage you to apply this to your local church context. So let's get started. Philippians 2, verse 19 to 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger, and some translations say apostle, and minister to my need. For as he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you all heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul is not being shy about describing what he feels for the church in Philippi. This is not a wording indicative of obligation or of tolerance, but one of genuine love and longing for them. It's not a one-way street, though. The Philippian church, in turn, are also concerned about Paul, so much so that they send one of their own, Epaphroditus, 
to go to Paul, give him a care package of sort, and minister to him in his time of need. In turn, Epaphroditus longs for the people of his church in Philippi because he's heard that they were concerned about him and he wants to alleviate their concern. Paul also voices his respect and affection for Timothy and Epaphroditus, calling Timothy a son and Epaphroditus a friend and brother. These are people who are in each other's lives, interwoven and connected, concerned for one another, happy for one another, and who are known by one another. Can we say we have that at Anthem? You might say, Sheetal, I'm not part of a local church. It's me and Jesus, and we are together in the fire, and I have my podcasts, I have my conferences, I have my worship times, and I'm good. Okay, that's great. You are right. Jesus should always be our primary relationship, and we should hold him closer than anyone else. And yes, there are some wonderful resources out there online. There are sermons, there are preachers that we can listen to that will edify us. But who knows the state of your marriage? Who knows your character? Who's reminding you of the prophecies that have been spoken over you? And who is standing next to you contending for those prophecies to come to fruition? Scripture says that iron sharpens iron. But for that to happen, there needs to be direct contact. We need to be in each other's lives the way God designed it. Jesus was perfect and complete in himself. Yet, he chose 12 disciples to come alongside him, to be around him, to help him outwork his calling on this earth. If Jesus needed that, how much more do we? God himself could have been God, because he's God. But instead, he chose to dwell in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in perfect unity with one another. We need each other to fulfill our call and mandate on this earth. We need each other to press on and walk in the way of Jesus. We... God's design and intention is that we do it together, not as lone wolves. Philippians 1.27 says that then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So this morning, we are going to briefly look at the different types of relationships that I highlighted in Philippians 2. These relationships that form this fabric of love that weaves us together. And these relationships that combat the epidemic of loneliness in our country. We're going to focus on their benefits and how they practically manifest at Anthem. Each one of these relationships could in themselves be a one-hour sermon, but fear not, I am not going to hold you hostage for eight hours while we go through all of these. (laughs) For the sake of brevity and sanity, I've grouped them into three groups, and we'll address each one in their grouping. So the, the grouping of son or daughter, father or mother, brother or sister and friend, we're going to group and talk to, about in the terms of family. The next grouping is that of co-worker and soldier, and we're going to talk about in that in terms of linking arms. 
And the next group is that of a minister and messenger or apostle. And we're going to talk about that in the group of ministries or relationships we're characterized by receiving. So we're ready? Yeah. Strapped in? Great. We can do this. I look at the time. Okay. So script, when we talk about family, relationships that are characterized by what we see in traditional families, Scripture often describes the local church as a family or a household of faith. These are the people we do life with on a daily basis, who know us best, the ones that we can ugly cry with and know that they aren't going to judge us, the ones that aren't afraid to call you out when you go off track, and the ones that will lovingly restore you, the ones who miss you and notice when you aren't there. They are the mothers and fathers that we can look to for wisdom and advice, and the brothers and sisters that we can talk to about anything, the ones that we can share our joys and sorrows with. I remember many years ago when I was struggling with not being able to work as a doctor. I was a very grumpy human being. And Debs, in her sweet and wise way, don't let the sweet exterior fool you, by the way, um, gently rebuked me by sharing a scripture with me about not making things into idols. At first, I was a little offended. Let's be real, I was a lot offended. But when I finally got off down my miff tree, I realized that she was completely right. I had made my job an idol, and I needed to repent and change my attitude. But that gentle rebuke in love saved me from a whole lot of pain down the road, and it steered me back to the love of the Father. In verse 22, Paul refers to Timothy as his son. Timothy is not his biological son, but his spiritual son, who Paul helped raise up into maturity by imparting wisdom and reminding him of the promises spoken over his life. Timothy didn't just happen to be a young believer who came out of the womb on fire for God. His faith was sparked and nurtured by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. They gave him a solid foundation on which others could build. These family relationships that we're referring to are often multi-generational. We can all learn from those who are younger and older than us. So it's important that we are connecting and engaging with those outside of our age group. Perhaps you have wondered why it is that we have kids in the worship with us for the first couple of songs. It might be very stretching to you. And let's be real, stretching is a Christianese term for extremely annoying and irritating. <laughs> I have children, and I find it very stretching at times. But it's for a reason. We want them to catch our passion for worship and experience the prophetic outworked in community. It may not seem like it when they are performing in the front and running around, but they are watching. Amen. They are watching every single one of us as we worship without reservation. As we share prophetic words, they are watching. Whether we are parents or not, every single one of us are responsible and need to be engaged in raising up the next generation. The next category we're talking about is that of relationships characterized by linking arms. 
And I loved the prophetic song that Rachel sang about us being an army, because this is what it talks about. The relationships of a co-laborer and soldier remind us that we are on mission together. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9 says, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. We are all called to labor together to see the lost saved and the kingdom of God established on earth. Whether it's in our workplace, in our homes, in our schools, or on a mission trip to Mexico, we are all called to the same thing. When John and Cassandra Cox, who lead a ministry into high schools, share with us testimonies of high school students who are giving their lives to Jesus, we can all rejoice with them because they are reaping a harvest in the field in which God has placed them. When we are in relationship with co-workers in the kingdom of God, their success encourages us and reminds us that God is moving and working and the kingdom is advancing. These moments are especially important when we ourselves are frustrated because we are not seeing fruit in the field in which God has placed us. Without the encouragement of our coworkers who are seeing harvest and who have maybe walked the same road with us, we could become jaded and give up. A soldier is one who is trained and ready for battle. God has given each one of us personal promises, and we also have corporate promises, promises for a church, an example of such a corporate promise is that of our building at 3850 West Montrose. God has promised us a physical space to call home, not for our glory, but so that we can impact the neighborhood, the city, and beyond. The enemy brings opposition to the promises of God. He does not want to see us step into those things. So we need to stand together and fight and contend for them to take ground back. We do this by praying together, by worshiping together, and reminding one another of the promises we are fighting for. This morning was a beautiful picture of that as we surrounded each person and worshiped over them, as we allowed God to come and do what only he can do, yet we were part of it as we surrounded them. A few months ago, Michelle Weinrich shared powerfully their testimony about God promising them twin girls. And Matt and I, like many of you, had the privilege of over the years praying with them and fighting alongside them to see this promise fulfilled. After years of infertility and loss, they now have two beautiful baby girls, Hannah Faith and Leah Grace. Being able to fight alongside them to see the promise of God fulfilled in their lives has strengthened us. It has allowed us to share in their joy and victory. And it has encouraged us to trust God for the impossible because he is faithful. You don't have to be an elder or deacon to have that privilege. All you have to do is be a friend Know the promises that have been spoken over your friends and choose to battle alongside them. A lone soldier 
can easily be taken out. So we need one another so we can battle together as an army. The last category that we're going to be talking about is our relationships characterized by receiving. So either receiving apostolic input or ministry. So an apostle means sent one. And a messenger, very simply put, is someone who carries a message from one person to another person. We are all messengers of the gospel. We carry the message of grace and love from Jesus to the world that is lost. Paul had an apostolic gifting. He could break open new areas, both geographically and spiritually. And at Anthem, we regularly invite people with that kind of apostolic gifting to minister here. We call those times Ephesians 4 weekends. These are people like Ken and Michelle, and Gre- Ken and Michelle Grenfell and Terry and Ken Sandy Kruger. These are people who we know intimately, who we have relationship with, and whom we trust. They spend time seeking God, asking Him for a message from Him specifically for us. They are messengers of God's heart to us in our season. These people have wept for us. They have walked alongside us. They have contended for God's promises for us as a church. And they genuinely care for us. These Ephesians four times are significant because they take us deeper and further into the things of God, both as individuals and as a church. We have an opportunity coming up in November to be a part of one of these times. Steve mentioned in the announcement that Chanel Rousseau, who is a friend and a woman who is powerfully gifted in the prophetic. She'll be coming to minister at Anthem. She was here last year, and I'm sure those of you who were there can attest to what an incredible time it was. She not only operates in the gift of prophecy, but she has a desire to see that gift operated within the church, that each one of us can flow in that too. When she was here last time, you might remember that at the end of the service on Sunday, she was Um, sharing some prophetic words over elders, and one of the prophetic words she gave me was key in helping me make a complete career change. She also gave us a prophetic word as a church. She said that we would take ground in the areas of business, creativity, education, and medicine. And in the process of seeking parking that is off-site for this building, we have forged relationships with a bank, a medical dialysis center, and a high school. God's promises fulfilled. Relationships with apostolically gifted people enlarge our perspective and equip us for the works of ministry. So what is a minister? A minister is someone who cares for or tends to the needs of others. And we all have needs. There are times where I have a lot of needs and times that I have less needs. But we all have physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. And we are called to minister to one another to help meet those needs. Ministry is not what happens on a Sunday where we have the ministry team up there and we're praying. Yes, that is ministry. But that is the tip of the iceberg. That should be the very concise version of what is happening throughout our weeks. We should be ministering to one another as we meet for coffee, 
as we have meals, as we go for walks, as we are in our day, there are multiple opportunities for us to minister to one another. Bringing someone who is sick a meal, helping someone move, all of those are ministry. But ministry cannot happen if we are not sharing our needs. And it cannot happen if we are not asking others what those needs are. When we minister to someone, we show them the love of the Father in a tangible way. We, in turn, learn to consider others before ourselves, and we follow in the servant-hearted example of Jesus. Oftentimes, the success of a church is measured by its programs, its worship, its social media presence, or its preaching. These are all good things which keep many people employed and busy. But busyness does not negate loneliness. Scripture says that God puts the lonely in families, and we need to be a family that Jesus can entrust the lonely to. Because Jesus didn't come for our fancy programs. He came for people. What defines success in God's eyes is how we love God and how we love his people, both inside this local church family and outside of it. So how do we enter into these types of relationships, characterized by being knitted together and woven in? I have two points. I'm sure there are many others, but I felt that God wanted to highlight these this morning. Number one is to decide to put down roots. Ask God which local church you are called to belong to and commit to being there until God moves you on. Not until you have an argument or someone offends you or they don't have the exact program that meets your specific passion in that moment, but until God moves you on. It doesn't have to be anthem. There are some incredible churches in this city, and all of them are demonstration of the Father's love worked out in community. Choose one, but make sure you choose and commit, because this is where relationship starts. Secondly, we need to get to know one another. Sounds a little bit obvious, but it's actually not something that happens that easily in the city. Steve alluded to Anthem Anatomy, which is our framework here at Anthem Church to facilitate community. It is based on the belief that every single one of us has a part to play in the body of Christ and that we are all necessary and important. It's a way for everyone to find an expression for their passion alongside others, either in joining a group in existence or starting a group themselves so that others can come alongside. But above all, it is a vehicle to get us into each other's lives and to experience being a family and being part of the life of God. It enables us to form meaningful connections with one another and to deepen our connection with God. If you want to know more, there will be a table at the back, so please do stop by, because I think it's something that we could all benefit from learning about and participating in. Lastly, another way of getting to know people is to serve on a team. There are 
many opportunities within the local church to serve, whether it be on a hosting team or media worship or Anthem Kids. And serving is slightly different from being part of Anthem Anatomy because often when we join an Anthem Anatomy team, it's because we have a passion for the thing that we're joining. It's something that we choose to look for like-minded people. But when we serve on teams together, it's all of us mashed together, on mission together, consistently seeing each other every week and being in each other's lives. It's a great way of building those multi-generational relationships with people that we may not naturally be inclined to meet or hang out with. I encourage you, find a way to serve in your local church and use that as a vehicle to get knitted in. I want to reassure you that I am not preaching on these things because we at Anthem are not woven together in love. We are. It's one of the values here that we are with and for one another and one of our ethics that love is the difference. I am mentioning this because we need to be intentional about continuing to pursue these relationships and value them. Especially in the season where we are growing, where we are getting ready to move into a new neighborhood and so many more people will be coming through our doors. People who are not woven in. People that we need to open our eyes to and be intentional about initiating these kind of relationships with them so that they too can be woven into this family. Earlier this week, Matt went away for a conference for three days. And when he goes away, I love him. So I miss him. But this time, I experienced a feeling of loneliness like I have never experienced in my life. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Even though I was surrounded by three very loud and boisterous children, <laughs> I felt alone and my heart ached. I felt as though everything came down to me, that there was no one who had my back, there was no one I could share my sorrows with, my struggles with. I felt as though I was isolated. This feeling gave me such empathy for those in our body who feel this way every single day, who feel the crushing weight of not being seen, the crushing weight of not being known. I felt that God was taking his finger and putting it on something, the issue of loneliness. Like a doctor who examines someone and says, does it hurt here, does it hurt here? And then they're like, ow, yeah, yep, it's right there. I feel like this is something that is hurting some of us this morning. It's something that's hurting our city. And we are part of that city, so it's hurting us too. I felt God didn't want to put his finger there to show us the hurt, just to show it to us, but to show us how to address it. His heart is not that any of us feel this way. And I'll confess, there have been times where people have mentioned their loneliness, and I almost flippantly have said, yes, but Jesus is there and he's enough. And while that's true, Jesus is there, he has not said that he in himself should be enough for every believer. He has said that we need one another. So 
First of all, I want to apologize if that has ever happened to you in a church context. But secondly, I want you to know that you don't have to hide your loneliness. It is not something that you have to mask with a brave face, as though it's something to be ashamed about. Hagar in Genesis 16 verse 13 said, you are the God who sees me. And this morning, God is saying, I see you. I see you and I love you. How do we find healing from this epidemic of loneliness? First of all, we find relationship with God the Father if we aren't already in relationship with him. And secondly, we allow ourselves to be known and seek to know others truly and genuinely. If you are lonely here this morning and you feel that ache, that crushing weight of it's all down to you, I encourage you, there are people in this family of believers who are waiting to know you and to love you, to stand in the gap for you, to have your back, to share your joys and share your sorrows, to be your brother, your sister, your father, and your mother. Won't you let them be that to you this morning? So I'm just going to pray for us as we close. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the God who sees us, Father. You see our brokenness, you see our pain, you see our isolation, and you see our loneliness. I pray, Father, that even now you will come. Come and let us feel your tangible presence as we have already felt this morning. I pray for an increase of that sense right now, Jesus. I pray, Father, for those who are experiencing the brokenness of loneliness, Father, that you would break off the lies of being unlovable, that you would break off the lies that this is how they will feel the rest of their life. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, for your truth to enter in and give boldness to allow themselves to be known. And Father, won't you give us the eyes to see these people? Won't you give us the ears to hear the sadness in their voices? Won't you give us your heart to reach out, be inconvenienced, and meet them where they're at, Lord God? I pray, Father, that you would knit this family together in the fabric of your love, Lord God. That we would grow from strength to strength and seek to bring others into this fabric with us, Lord God. We thank you for what you've done this morning and for what you will continue to do in our lives, Father. We honor you and we worship you. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.